Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Good morning and welcome to Mrs. Cardiology, where Mrs. Cardiology herself gives heart tips, not tricks. And through her experience as a caregiver and the practice manager and wife of a Pittsburgh-based private practice cardiologist, she has learned a great deal from conversations with him, which she likes to call fireside chats. And then she's learned a lot on her own as a researcher and caregiver uh, to her 84-year young mother and her uh, adult uh, uh, child who is, uh, is, is severely handicapped. So whenever you talk about taking care and uh, being a caregiver, uh, she has been there, done that, got the T-shirt, probably burned the T-shirt, but at least took the picture. So here she is this morning with all her wonderful tips on heart t- heart. Tips, my tricks. Danita Pandit, Mrs. Cardiology herself. Hey, thank you very much, Joanne. How are you today? I am blessed and highly favored, super fantastic, and doing very well, On which we should talk about sometime on the new supplement that you recommended to me. Oh, absolutely, yes. I know your doctor's really excited about it. I look Maybe forward we'll to talking conversation, to Another conversation next week. Absolutely. Hey, but we have a very important topic today. We want to talk about how to stay heart healthy throughout the holidays. And it's something I feel that is very important for people to understand. It's not that they don't know it, but they don't understand the reason why behind it. So guess what we're doing today? We've got my husband on board today. Good morning, dear. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dr. Pandit. Good morning. Um, we we always go to the doctor because everybody tells us when we're eating or drinking or sleeping that, hey, check with your doctor before you do anything. But guess what? How much training do you have, Santosh, on uh, nutrition? Nutrition is a part of the learning, uh, but it's not a didactic uh, subject that has been taught in medical school. So you learn on your own mostly and through the books, uh, go along with as you learn each medical condition to learn about it. And also you probably learn more from your patients telling you their experiences. Yeah. There's, there's guidelines that come through, but um, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that you have to depend on also. Um, because nutrition is something that's not hard and fast tested, it's very difficult to test uh, or do a clinical trial based on food. Um, so today what I wanted to do is take some of the basics that we already know about, you know, how people have said, tell you, oh, when the holidays are coming up, i got to make sure I don't look at food and gain 10 pounds. And so when you look at some of the guidelines that are there, that's great. But I think uh, I saw a wonderful YouTube video yesterday where this gentleman was explaining that Until people understand the reason why, they just don't have any motivation to act. And uh, it was beautifully done. You know the song Amazing Grace, Joanne? 
Yes. You know that song. Yes. Well, there was a gentleman in the audience that was a music teacher, and he asked him to perform Amazing Grace, and he did a beautiful job. And he said to the gentleman, okay, now, sir, I want you to sing it like you just came out of jail after 40 years of incarceration, and you are just ecstatic about being out. And the belting out of Amazing Grace is one for the, for this, for the Guinness Book of World of Records. I mean, the people were just so, I mean, it was like an emotional upheaval. And basically the guy said afterwards, now you know what I mean. When he had his wife, we got the amazing grace we were waiting for. <laughs> it's like, so that's my inspiration today to tell, tell our audience, hey, guys, you know, let's have the doctor tell us why is this important? Why is it important to... Would you just call it a healthy lifestyle, Santosh? Well, uh, any any uh, holiday or any any big uh, celebration that comes, you change the lifestyle that you've been doing it on a daily basis. So it's a significant change if you want to call in various ways. And to list some of the things that we change is obviously first thing is the the stress that we build up ourselves preparing for the holiday change, especially the Christmas and New Year time. Because you have to plan for the family, you have to plan for yourself, you have to plan not for only for the food, but also for the, all the gifts and the presents that you plan to do with the rush going on all around all your life. So that's a lot of stress that we hear from patients that they say, they are, especially the older we get, it becomes more stressful because you don't have enough help on, around you. So the stress becomes a major issue during the holiday seasons. Uh, also, some people don't have the family support, the, so they feel like are neglected or, or being on their own. So that's additional uh, kind of stress. So there are various kinds of stress builds up uh, directly and indirectly in their mind that adds to their uh, change in medical situations. Uh, obviously, the eating uh, habits change. You are either you are inviting or you are invited to various uh, get-togethers, parties, and uh, so you kind of it's kind of on a regular instead of occasional basis, it becomes quite regular in that period of time. For a say, call a one to two weeks time or month time that you change your daily habits of eating. Uh, so you are eating different food. You are drinking probably more with the alcohol, such as wine and. Various alcoholic drinks uh, are offered. Uh, you kind of let it go for a while, saying, okay, this is my time. I want to enjoy it. So that changes uh, the diet and your habits. Uh, they're obviously, because uh, all these things are changing, your sleep cycle changes uh, in the sense you are late uh, during the holiday seasons going to sleep and you go back to work next day, so you're getting up early. So your rest period changes, uh, so you're tired, you're exhausted in various ways. Now, uh, I, I, uh, so yeah. all those adds up in short. Right. Now, I want to um, take one, one thing at a time here, but I have a question about um, eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's only a short period of time that it's changing, so is there a problem in indulging? Well, one thing is, uh, it, no doubt your calorie intake goes up, mm-hmm. and so you'll be adding uh, more calories, and that will show up in the next few months with the weight gain. Uh, 
which is what if wait, wait a minute wait, now now I have a real big question so in the in the period of time about two weeks in and around Christmas and New Year's, you have parties going on, you're not actually partying every day unless you're a party monster. So those three, four, five times that you indulge is going to show up in three months? Next few months, not not right away in the next day or so, because you, you're gaining more calories and eating more than usual. Yes, but if you go back to another, if you go back to your normal routine, you still feel the effects yeah. of it? Because you're not, uh, you gain the calories, which you're not uh, used it. Oh, okay. Uh, so, That's what you're talking yeah, about. So, so you're going to gain somewhere. Yeah. It has to come so show up some some day somewhere. So your body you is not set up to just readjust just, and say, no. okay, I'm done overeating. I'm no. going to go back to normal now. No, you have to lose it again. Ah, you got to make sure you lose it. Mm-hmm. So That's that why people, means... most of the people have those so-called end-of-year resolutions come planning for the future. I'm going to start exercising. That's where most of the... Uh, Exercise companies and advertisement, you see that uh, losing <laughs> that's, that's join us, <laughs> buy this uh, bicycle or buy this uh, treadmill to buy for a new year because people uh, obviously have some kind of plans to lose weight and prepare for the spring and summer. Mm-hmm. What about we, the short-term effects of uh, excessive alcohol, excessive uh, salt, excessive sugar intake? Uh, that's got to put some kind of stress on your system. Yeah, I mean, it, it will spike things, like uh, your blood pressure will rise if you take too much salt uh, and the alcohol intake. Uh, your sugars will fluctuate, the, those who are diabetics. So uh, those things will no doubt change uh, with uh, as we eat differently. And, and alcohol is very well known to cause uh, patients, commonly with heart hernia patients, they get these heartburns and they wake up uh, next day or, or same month. Same night with heartburns, uh, so alcohol is very stimulant, causes a lot of acidity in the stomach. So that affects your stomach lining, and that will cause more problems right away. So immediate issues are obviously with the medical conditions you have that will go up and down or spike uh, on the higher side, like sugars, the blood pressures, the high uh, hernia, the acidity in the stomach, which are very common conditions. Here's my tip. As a person who has gotten off of sugar since January of this 2015, um, sugar feeds a lot of things. It feeds the aches and pains in your joints. Um, it slows you down um, uh, as far as your energy level. It, it, you know, you get that spike, and then afterwards you crash and burn. Uh, here's my tip. If you really can't resist the sweets, just have a little taste of somebody else's. Or if you, instead of having five cookies, have a half of one, share it with a friend and say, oh, this is really, I think this is really going to be good. Let's try this together. And give a half to the friend or a quarter of it. Take Eat a quarter of it. Just have a little taste because sugar is going to, sugar is going to, going to bog you down. Your, your joints are going to hurt. And if you want to party more, eat less sugar. Yeah, I think that mental um, reset has to happen or, or mental check has to happen. What exactly? How do you, how do you want to enjoy this party? If you do just that little bit of planning ahead of time, then you can constantly keep yourself in check, saying, "Okay, if I want to enjoy dessert, then I got to make sure I don't eat that much at dinner." You, and I'm going to taste. Party and, longer, you have to have energy, and exactly. sugar is going to bog down your energy. 
you know, imagine, you know, saying uh, a week later, boy, my relatives were there, and I just couldn't hang out with them because I was so tired. Well, you were so tired because you had five pieces of cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Or, or you had not only cheesecake, but you had been drinking more along with it. Yeah, and then the <laughs> and next that, day that you're terribly you depressed, and, and you worry you about what you said to Aunt Sally that mm-hmm. upset her. You know, there's a lot of it. It's a combination, and uh, no question that, I mean, the biggest challenge that uh, we see patients uh, medically is that patients don't, I mean, the people don't think what they're eating. <clears throat> I mean, you can eat anything but in a smaller portion. We've had a guest. This will be a good a good one to review here. We had Sana Carpalotti on here who did a show on mindful eating. It would be a good mm-hmm. uh, interview would be a great to go program back and to listen review. to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, you combine that with staying up late. That causes another layer of problems. Now, if you don't control your eating and then you're not getting enough sleep, the biggest challenge to the body is not getting enough sleep. I don't care how healthy you're eating. If you don't get enough sleep, you create problems. Because that is the time that your body has to recover. And just talking about sleep, is there a difference between the amount of sleep that a healthy person needs and the amount of sleep that a heart patient needs? Uh, There is not much difference, but on average... They say from a recent evaluation study that at least close to eight hours of sleep, steady sleep is needed. Uh, and getting to and sleep before steady, 12 is the key. You sleep on a timely fashion also, not just four hours here, six hours there, and remaining two, three hours later on and kind of break, broken down, if you want to call it. So you need a steady sleep and a timely fashion. Not Once in a while, you obviously cannot go on timely fashion, but on a regular basis. That, that could change the person too, right? Yeah. So obviously difficult during the holiday season because you go to parties that are late sometimes. Uh, so that's obviously as long as it's not too long. Uh, but on average, if you sleep on a timely fashion, you need close to eight hours of sleep. That gives the body enough rest to recover and then start start all again for the next day with a good energy level. So these parties are not like a business meeting. Don't be the first to go and the last to leave. Be right. the first to be the first to arrive and the first to leave. So you could get your you can get your sleep and be ready for the next party. Next day, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if you have a medical conditions, more so. So the young people try hopefully can handle it better than the, as we get older. Oh God! When I was when I was yeah, up until I was about forty years old, I thought four hours of sleep was a, was a, was all I needed, mm-hmm. and five was a luxury. <laughs> yeah, that's how we think. I trained myself to sleep for four hours in college to sleep four hours a night until because I read somewhere that that's all astronauts needed. Of course, they're running around with no no gravity, so no gravity, easier, yeah, totally yeah. different environment. Mm-hmm. So, so I yeah, trained myself is... with the four hours, and I and I and until I had open heart surgery, now I force myself to get seven hours. I literally force my, even if I just lay in the bed, but I feel like eight is too much. Eight makes me groggy and sleepy and lethargic, so seven is right Probably seven. I'd say between six and eight is what the average that you need to find that's good for you. And a tidbit I want to remind people of that, I think I've mentioned it before in one of my shows, um, my good friend Dr. Ina Gilmore, who is a endocrinologist that retired to take care of her own mother with Alzheimer's. 
is now, her mom has since passed, um, but she now teaches caregivers how to not only care for their, their people they're taking care of, but for themselves also. And one fact that she reported that I was totally flabbergasted with is that the if the, if you don't get to bed before midnight, every minute you spend past midnight, and then you wake up in the morning at the normal time, you have the the first time you do that, you've started your first day of Alzheimer's or the development of Alzheimer's. And I just stopped the dead in my tracks and go, "What do you mean that you start Alzheimer's? It's not that you have full-blown symptoms of Alzheimer's, but that steady pace of deterioration that starts to happen in the brain starts when you don't get enough sleep. Well, that's a whole that's a whole uh, uh, conversation that we should have a series on. Because one, people think people they don't realize Alzheimer's is a disease, and the, and the brain controls the rest of the body. So if the brain goes, your body ceases to function. And it has been not only been recognized in the past 10 years that Alzheimer's is, in fact, a deadly disease. Yes, it is. And there are so many uh, scenarios that lead up to it that we can prevent. And number one that you can control is when you go to sleep. And that it becomes a very important thing. Now, the other thing we wanted to touch upon today is um, activity. You got anything to say about that, Dr. Pandit? Well, uh, activity is always, oh, everybody knows, uh, it's a common knowledge or sense that you have to be active during, not only just during holiday, but every day. So your schedule should be maintained, if you want to call it, through the holiday season. You had to plan, uh, okay, what's going to happen if I party tomorrow? How am I going to keep up with my activity level that I plan to do, whether it is uh, exercise at home or going to the gym or or anywhere else that you do exercise? How to squeeze those uh, minutes, hours uh, on the gym or on your treadmill or bicycle or swimming, whatever you like. So you plan in advance so you know when you're going to sleep, when you're going to get up, and what you're going to do. So that should not change much uh, with your, or you can plan it in advance so you're not slacking and then starting all again because that's when your whole body will change again, not just health-wise but also your weight-wise and, and you'll you're become probably become less compliant after the holiday season to go back to that level of activity. So when you plan the holiday season as well as partying and changing everything else in your lifestyle, you make sure you maintain or stick to your plan of uh, activity levels. One thing I know for sure is that if you take the effort to learn basic yoga stretches, and let's say you have a really busy day, you're traveling or this, that, the next thing, just too much going on and you just have no idea how you're going to get your normal routine in. If all you do is stretch, it keeps the blood flow, it keeps the body moving. And get it in at least once a day, if not twice a day. And stretching doesn't take more than 15 minutes. And I don't need to sit here and teach you how to do it either. You just go to YouTube and look up yoga stretches, and you'll have a teacher instantly available to you. Now, my publisher's doctor, she's diabetic. In order to keep her diabetes under control, it's well known that exercise helps with that. He tells her, when she's sitting at the computer, while while she's talking on the phone, to get up on one of her phone conversations and march in place while she's talking on the phone yeah. instead of sitting down and talking on the phone. Exactly. And exercise doesn't mean you have to go and run at the gym. It could be a friendly, nice little walk around your neighborhood with your guests or with your friends. 
and it doesn't have to be high paced it can be it needs to be in a pace where you can actually walk and talk at the same time and then to round off today's um conversation i think it's very important for us to talk about planning for the new year and i call it planning for the rest of your life and you should plan in 90 day increments not for the whole year so when you sit down and you do your new year's resolution don't call it a resolution. Call it a plan for your new life. Because it is your new life. It's How the rest of your life. It's brand new and it hasn't happened yet. How about starting the resolutions now in December? Change the word, Joanne. That's a, not a resolution. It's a plan. It's a plan. Now, I I started actually, you know, actually in 2013, I started on the uh, TR90 food program um, the end of uh, September, which meant that I was on it through the holidays. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the first people in my family that ever lost weight over Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Is that amazing or what? You can do it. It's just a decision. Yeah, that's part of the problem that people don't understand. You don't just say, this is my resolution or this is my change. You have to decide. You have to have a why. Once you learn your why, the decision and the actual actual doing of it becomes not such a problem. Also, when we talk about lifestyle changes, we're talking about long term. We're not talking about for the next so many weeks I'm going to go to the gym. No, you have to start thinking in terms of what is my ideal day and what is the ideal gym that I need? Is it at home? Or is it something I need to get to because I want company, I need motivation? Those kind of questions you have to decide for your own self to create your own lifestyle and those changes that are needed in it. Do you have anything to add to that, Santosh? No, I said uh, it's a a lifelong uh, resolution, if you want to call it, that you have to stick to the plan. And uh, obviously ups and downs will happen like, like, like anything else in life. But as long as you keep a watch and on your activity level, the eating habits, and all the all the things that we talked. Uh, unless you tell yourself, uh, and that's why you see now there's a lot of uh, wristwatches that call Fitbit and uh, uh, these health trackers, if you want to call it. What are they doing is nothing but uh, reinforcing every every minute, every day, every hour, how much you're eating, how much your calories are expended. Uh, uh, expenditures, and then you're talking about the activity level that you do, walking, stair, uh, going up and down the stairs, and all those things are tracking all the minute, and they're feedbacking this uh, person who is using those. Uh, and that gives them the idea what are they doing, and they're just kind of uh, reinforcing. So everybody needs some reinforcement uh, all the time. Uh, so are you on that right track, and are you following the right uh, guidelines, if you want to call. So it's not like a one-time plan or one-time recommendations. It's ongoing thing that you have to stick stick with you and follow through with uh, yourself and your healthcare personnel. Exactly. And so to recap, if you look at what we discussed with you today, we talked about how over the holidays, you obviously need to be you need to be in command of your eating, not your host or hostess who's invited you over or even if you've invited people over, you have to stay in control on 
what kind of food you're serving and how much of a feast you have to have all at one time. A feast doesn't have to have, have to happen one t- at one time in one place. The second point we covered was rest, how important it is to get a good night's sleep. If you skip one night, that's great, but then make sure you nap the next day and make sure you go back on track as soon as possible. Third thing we mentioned was be active. Make sure you get some sort of exercise in there, whether you're playing with the kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews or if you do a friendly game of snowball throwing because you're in the winter season now, or you're out swimming. It depends on where you are in the country, but get out there or get in the house and be active. And if you're visiting somebody, volunteer to vacuum. You don't know how much the hostess would appreciate you vacuuming, and that is exercise, isn't it, Joanne? Yes, it is. Running up and down steps, doing the laundry. That's right. And also make sure that you're planning for the rest of your life, not just the new year. And try doing it in plans that are of 90-day increments. That's a little bit more manageable than a whole year or a whole lifetime. Baby steps are important. And um, I I think that that's a good round out of uh, what we covered today and if anybody has any topics they'd like to hear more about that we already covered or, or touch, have questions about it, let us know. And one thing that my husband mentioned is uh, this whole concept of inflammation and how stress causes inflammation. And we're talking about keeping your stress under control. And uh, we want to make sure that you keep that as the foremost front end of your mind that is what I'm going to do right now. Is that going to cause my body or is it going to cause me mental stress? And I think that covers everything we want to talk about today, right, Joanne? Yep. And uh, all we need to do is uh, thank our sponsor. And, of course, our sponsor uh, of our show is the Biophotonic Scanner. That What do you call it, dear? How do you describe the test? <laughs> I mentioned that as a close to the inflammation score or inflammation... No, no, no. You called it the no-pokey chronic inflammation test because we have to make sure people understand there's good inflammation and there's chronic. Good inflammation is when you get an injury and your body gets inflammation in that area because your blood flow has to increase. But when you have inflammation that is just there 24-7, that's when you start the disease process and we want to control that. So we have a live tissue test that gives you your antioxidant levels because the lower your score, the worse your inflammation. The higher your score, the less you got to see people like my doc, my husband. So come on into the office. Give us a call at 412-367-9104 for 20 bucks. I will scan you. It takes only 30 seconds to do the actual scan, and then how much time you spend with me figuring out how you're going to take those baby steps to reducing your inflammation. And what's the value of that uh, test, actually, in other areas? Mm, if you really look at my, the cost of um, the actual cost of uh, doing the test and spending the time and explaining and all that, the value behind all the research and information is between sixty and eighty dollars. So that's a pretty good special just for listening to Mrs. Cardiology. Oh, absolutely! Our goal is to help people de-stress and get better. Basically, I'd love to be able to t- tell my husband now they don't need you anymore. Uh-huh. Then he can start his own podcast and talk about heart, healthy stuff, and write books and lecture. And 
Well, as he says, you know, he would love to take care of people. Yeah, he would love to teach more prevention than having to put up band-aids all the time. Very good. Okay, this uh, this that's our wrap for our show today. Um, today's show, uh, Mrs. Cardiology, uh, is copyrighted uh, to Sunita Pandit, DBA, Mrs. Cardiology, 2013-2015, all rights reserved. You can reach Mrs. Cardiology at Mrs. Cardiology at gmail.com, all spelled out. And you can find these show notes and notes from previous shows at Mrs. Cardiology.com.